Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock. Aaron has served as a pastor, a chaplain, a professor, a writer, and a speaker, and he has a keen interest in helping other Christians to think Christianly about all of life. So on this show, we talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issues, pastoral leadership, ethics, and other relevant matters that will help you to lead better now. I'm your host, Chris Yeoman, and today our title for the podcast is Useful Idiot or Agent of Justice. So this will be an interesting one. We know that no one is above God's laws, and so no matter who you are, you are responsible to act in accordance with the office that you have been given, in in accordance with the, the constraints of that assigned office. In today's show, what we're going to do is we're going to be exposing some people in our society in positions of power that are not acting uh, in alignment with their assigned responsibilities. And so our goal is to expose this injustice and to encourage those then in positions of power to act responsibly, lest they contribute to social decay. So Aaron, we're going to be talking about justice clearly and responsibilities and authority. And so maybe you can intro a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's our intention. So let me let me start off with a couple of illustrations to kind of circle in on this subject because I wanna I wanna set uh, a context for what we're gonna talk about because some people will be offended by this and um, they need to be. But my intention is not to just offend. My intention is to sometimes if offense is not redemptive. Uh, when the Christian offends, we want to do it for redemptive purposes. We want to do it so that there's good outcomes. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we can argue from one category to another. And this helps people to see that if they're violating their office or their responsibilities, but in other areas, they would have certain expectations of a person. It's less offensive and it's a bit more objective. So I could give several illustrations, but let me just talk about parenting. Many people that will listen to the show are parents or certainly have been parented. And oftentimes, let's say you have a a child and the child is misbehaving. They're committing some sort of an offense. And you you don't start by encouraging everything that they've done that's right. You generally deal with the offense straight out of the gates. That's wrong. You need to repent. You you vary the, the intensity to which you approach that child, depending on the degree of the offense. Obviously, there's a uh, a difference between someone that just you know pushed their sister off a cliff and had was you know participated in having both of her legs broken, as opposed to someone that doesn't want to eat their tomato soup. So that you you vary the mode, but you start by addressing the offense, and then having addressed the offense. A good parent will often, depending on the response of the rebellious child, if the child is compliant and obeys, you say, okay, well, now that you've replied appropriately, I want to let you know, I love you, I care for you, and you know, I, I want to continue to parent you, and I have high hopes for you. So that's what I want to do when it comes to law enforcement officials in this uh, episode, because I'm going to confront them. Now, in other areas of society, apart from parenting, it's not uncommon for us to confront people in positions of power or authority that have violated their position. Mm. Think of the Catholic priest fiasco when there was all sorts of exposés coming out about Catholic priests that had abused primarily boys serving as helpers in the Catholic church's Eucharistic meals. 
And that doesn't mean that every Catholic priest or even the majority of them were involved in these heinous crimes, but they were exposed publicly because they were in positions of trust and they had violated their duties and they had molested young boys and they needed to be called out for that. Mm -hmm. That Everyone would say that's appropriate. And if they're still alive, they need to be charged and jailed. If citizens, the government knows this, if citizens fail to remit their taxes, guess what happens? Jail time, you're charged. Like there's serious consequences to that. If someone is speeding down a major highway doing 200 kilometers an hour when they're only supposed to be doing 100, they're charged. Their licenses are suspended. So you're given a certain measure of trust. Okay, we you have a license. You can drive on the highway. You violated that trust. We're taking your license away. You're a, you're a clergyman. You molested kids. You're going to jail. You're a citizen. You didn't pay your taxes. You're going to jail. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not to say that the majority of people speed. That's not to say that the majority of people molest kids. That's not to say that the majority of citizens don't remit their taxes. But if they do, the point I want to make, mm-hmm. emphasize this, if they violate their responsibilities, they're punished. Well, who is it that oversees punishment? Think about this, folks. Who is it that oversees the enforcement of these rules? Well, in the home, it's the parent. But in the other illustrations I've given, it's law enforcement. It's the job of the state in a properly functioning, properly ordered society. It may be different for a fledgling nation that's only a year old or they're trying to sort things out. But in a properly ordered state, it's the job of law enforcement to oversee public justice. Everything from a bylaw officer that says, no, you can't park in this spot on the side of the road, to a police officer that says you can't speed or you can't beat your wife, we're going to arrest you, to our courts. Now, what happens if agents of justice become useful idiots? And what I mean by useful idiots is a useful idiot is not my language. It's a term that describes someone that's essentially a stooge, an agent of nefarious individuals. You can Google this term. It's someone that is being, that, that's a puppet of bad players and bad characters. And suppose, for example, we were in a society where law enforcement, our bylaw officers, our police officers, our courts, suddenly became useful idiots for a globalist agenda or woke causes, or LGBTQ activists, or anti-Semites protesting in the street, or the BLM advocates that are about social Marx, cultural Marxism. Suppose, imagine just for a moment that law enforcement became useful idiots for these ideologies. What would happen to your society? Justice would crumble. Now, this is more than a theoretical concept. It's happening in Canada, Mm -hmm. and it's happening in the West. Now, there's an old saying in law, and the saying is this, that that justice is blind. So in Western society, we often have this image in our mind, and there's it's on badges and banners and courthouses in Western countries. There's statuettes and figurines of lady justice. And lady justice is meant to symbolize the nature of justice for us. And there's two things that's interesting about Lady Justice. She's always blindfolded. Is this because she's she's stupid? No. Is it because she's visually impaired? No. The blindfold on her eyes is not meant to communicate that she's has no knowledge of justice. It's meant to communicate that she is impartial. She doesn't bring her agenda. She doesn't bring her experiences. 
She's an impartial, uh, impartial advocate for some changeless code mm-hmm. of justice in a society. And then she carries the scales of justice. And the scales of justice portray two things. Number one, that justice doesn't, doesn't judge based upon appearances or experiences or biases. That justice is impartial, and we've already mentioned that. But secondly, that justice has some objectivity to it. So the just the scales of justice symbolize that there are two sides to every story. And when evidence is presented, it needs to be weighed. So if someone is accused of a crime, the evidence needs to be collected. This is not new to Western culture. The Bible talks about uh, two witnesses. There needs to be two witnesses. This is why in the Ten Commandments, the specific kind of lying that's prohibited there is actually perjury, perjuring yourself in court. Because if you don't have people that can give proper eyewitness testimony and someone's life's potentially on the line, you don't have a justice system. So that's the idea to Lady Justice. But suppose that justice is no longer blind. Suppose that justice, suppose you lived in a culture where justice is bought off. Suppose you you live you were to live in a culture where Justice gives an extra measure of attention to LGBTQ plus advocates. Suppose you lived in a culture where the judiciary said, you know what, what we really want is black judges or indigenous judges. We want to we emphasize your appearance, your ethnicity, your external qualifications over your timeless judicial qualifications, your ability to impartially adjudicate uh, in a court. Um, we, we want useful idiots in our police forces that will just do what they're told, regardless whether it's right or wrong to give tickets contrary to their own consciences. Again, imagine if you lived in a culture like that. Well, brothers and sisters, we do. That's the culture we live in. And I'm going to give you plenty of examples to back this point up. And the question is, if we all agree that there's rights and wrongs in a society that priests shouldn't molest kids that citizens should pay their taxes, that people shouldn't abuse their driver's licenses because they're putting other people's lives on the line. If we agree with that, and then we also agree that there has to be a a body of individuals to oversee that, but that body of individuals is losing public trust because their antics are often disgraceful. Well, who's supposed to call them out? Well, let me suggest to you that the prophetic voices of our age need to call them out. Mm specifically members of the church. And unfortunately, they're not doing a very good job of it. So one of my tasks and responsibilities as a Christian and a Christian leader is to remind our bylaw officers, to remind our police officers, and to remind our judges that you have a higher standard of responsibility. You have a higher authority than yourself. And it's not the latest and greatest cause that is your higher authority. It's not that you wet your finger and you put your finger up in the air and you say, well, should I arrest or not arrest? Should I charge or not charge? Um, How how are people going to respond to this? Uh, What's the how is this going to affect my pension? Uh, What am I going to look like when I'm back at the the cop station with my my buddies? No, you you are responsible to a higher standard and you, you have to exercise your duties objectively. And there's some objective aspects to law that we're going to talk about. So I understand that talking about these things might sound disrespectful. That's not my duty. That's not my my, um, my uh, goal, I should say. 
it might sound disrespectful. Well, who do you think you are? You're a pastor. You're a Christian. Who do you think you are calling out uh, police officers? Aren't we supposed to honor those in authority? Yes, we are. I'm also in a place of authority. I'm a Christian clergyman. Mm-hmm. And one of my duties is to is to call out injustice, as the prophets of old did all through the Old Testament, to call out injustice when the king is allowing widows and orphans to suffer. The prophets came and they called them out. When David abused his office and had a, had a man executed so he could bed his wife Bathsheba, guess who came knocking at the door? A prophet. Nathan the prophet came knocking at the door to call him out to remind him that he had done something that was wrong, that was criminal, and that was immoral. Mm-hmm. And so it's high time that the Christian church reminded all levels of law enforcement that your job is to be an agent of justice. And when you do that, we will be your very best friends and your greatest champions. But unfortunately, I think many people who are in law enforcement and, and the judiciary have become useful idiots. Now, if your response to that is to target people like me that are calling you out, then you're worse off than you think you are. Yep. Okay. And and of course, when you when you put yourself in the crosshair of law enforcement, you 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 put your neck on the line. I'm prepared to do that. Okay. Because there are certain things that have to change in our culture. And if Christian people like myself don't do a better job of calling to account bylaw officers, police officers, and the judiciary when they violate God's laws, and they create a culture where increasingly the citizens don't even trust that justice can be done. We have a problem, people, and it has to be addressed. So that's what we're going to further unpack in our podcast today. Yeah. Probably the first question comes to mind is, are we seeing this in Canada? You've alluded that we are seeing it. So what are some specific examples in the Canadian context that should concern us where there's people who agents of justice that are being becoming useful idiots. Well, I, this podcast topic came to mind actually just this week because over the last couple of weeks, I've been shocked over and over and over again at what I'm seeing in our broader agencies of justice in our, in our country. And again, I, I believe that many of these people that are in these offices are useful idiots of nefarious causes. It might sound harsh, but but there's a history to this. Again, to be a useful idiot is to essentially be a puppet of the state, to make your decision based upon public opinion or the woke agenda, or to side with anti-Semites because it's the in thing to do, or to side with the the, the LGBTQ ad, uh, political advocates uh, because that's the in thing to do. That's the popular thing to do, or the you know diversity, equity, inclusion crowd because that's the thing to do. So the question for those of you that are in law enforcement or who who also want to be prophetic voices speaking into uh, judicial systems is, do we want to live in a culture where the people that are supposed to guard and uphold our our laws are useful idiots or agents of injustice? Let me give you some examples of this. You can debate and pick apart any one of these. I'm just going to address them from a high level. Public optics matter. There may be some details I'm not aware of, but optics matter. So let's start with the Law Society of Alberta. I saw a Christian lawyer post this recently. They're looking for adjudicators. So we have a law society. They're looking for adjudicators. They're looking for staff that are going to be involved in public justice. Well, we have a charter. We have provincial laws. Uh, we have a whole process for, for being approved 
as a lawyer, attorney, a barrister, a solicitor, police officer, we have all this stuff in place. But here in this ad, this advertisement for adjudicators, the Law Society of Alberta says this, quote, the Law Society of Alberta believes that having a diverse group of adjudicators is essential to uphold and protect the public interest. And we want to reflect these values in our adjudicator roster with various personalities, backgrounds, and perspectives. We believe that having diversity will ensure that our regulatory goals are met and protect those who use legal services, end quote. And I would just say, no, we don't. Justice is justice. We have laws. We don't need a diverse group of adjudicators. We don't need people that have different, their personalities should be irrelevant. Their background should be irrelevant. Their perspectives are irrelevant. This kind of diversity, and we, we know what they're, they're getting at. They want more homosexuals. They want more people of supposedly ethnic minorities. Mm -hmm. They want more people of different political persuasions. That's what they want. We don't need that. That's irrelevant. Okay, when you come, when you come into, when you don the uniform of a Canadian police officer, when you don the gavel of a Canadian judge, your color doesn't matter. Your religion shouldn't matter. In, in, I know it does, but it shouldn't. Yep. Your, who you vote for shouldn't matter. People shouldn't even hear you speak to these things. You're supposed to be lady justice. And your job is to examine the evidence. Your job is to look at the law and your job is to render a verdict or your job is to look at a person's behavior. I have a radar gun. You're doing 200 kilometers down a main highway. That's double the speed limit. Here's a ticket. Here's the fine. That's your job. Mm -hmm. Your job is not to deliver coffee to protesters because you want to, quote, unquote, build relationships with them. That's not your job. That's not justice. But this is an example of where even in our high courts that we have people that are being selected because of their resumes, not in, not so far insofar as did they, go to, did they go to law school, did they pass the bar, but oh, are you the right skin color? Do you have the most mel do you have the right amount of melanin in your skin? Like how ridiculous has our culture become? Okay, another one that came onto the news this week is Rebel News reporter David Menzies. Yes. Is arrested Unbelievable. on camera for supposedly assaulting an RCMP officer, which nobody in the right mind, not even those that hate Rebel News and hate David Menzies, can argue that it didn't happen. He didn't assault him. It's very clear. Even if worst case scenario, Menzies accidentally bumped into him and the video shows otherwise but even if he accidentally bumped into him do you arrest someone if you're walking through um if let's say i was walking through a mall with my head down i'm looking at my phone and i and i elbow bump someone am yeah. i assaulting them is that a criminal offense clearly it's not mm -hmm. like nobody with their head screwed on would ever uh make that suggestion but here we have uh a police officer embarrassing himself and embarrassing his profession. And there are many great police officers out there. I know many of them that I'm very thankful for. They're doing a great job. Just like there are many Catholic priests that don't molest boys. Mm -hmm. There are many great cops out there. And we're not throwing all the cops under the bus. But th this, this man is embarrassing his, his profession. And he does it in the context 
of a right-wing reporter yep. seeking to interview an extremely left-wing politician. So right there, there's a political dimension to it. And you don't exactly win brownie points with the people who distrust law enforcement by pulling a stunt like that in a non-politically neutral context. And what, what does the RCMP come out and say? We're investigating it. We're reviewing it. Well, how long is that going to take? Mm -hmm. I can review that video evidence in two and a half seconds. Yep. Uh, I, I suspect that much like this knucklehead that they had up in uh, in, in Parliament, the, the 96 or 97-year-old former Nazi, they oh, stood up and yeah, gave him a standing yeah. applause. And of course, the news cycle, everyone fr freaks out. You applauded a Nazi in the House of Commons. After a week or so, it's not in the news cycle anymore. Where is this guy? He's still in Canada. Nothing's been done that we know of. We haven't heard anything. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, these quote-unquote review processes just mean we know that if we wait a week or so, it's going to it's going to exit the news cycle and someone else is going to be talking and, and we won't have to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's another example of where we have an officer that's been entrusted by the state with authority who clearly abuses his authority or at least makes an irrational and ridiculous decision. Mm -hmm. And so far, we're all waiting for what, what's going to happen. Yep. Right. Um, then we have the cop, the famous cops delivering coffee to the uh, uh, anti-Semite protesters in Toronto there a week or so ago. Well, I remember, seem to remember uh, a little event that took place called the trucker convoy in Ottawa. I don't remember the police delivering coffee to protesters. The protesters were delivering coffee to street people. I don't remember the cops showing up and delivering coffee to the protesters at the ambassador bridge. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the cops showing up and delivering coffee to the protesters. Uh, we don't need police officers to be our buddies. We need police officers to uphold the law fairly and objectively. And the Canadian public remembers not so long ago, thousands of police officers descending upon Ottawa tossing people all over the streets, bending arms behind their back, jumping on people like a bunch of foolish goons. Mm -hmm. I have never seen one video of a citizen throwing a single punch at any officer. It's actually an amazing thing that there was no assaults to officers in Ottawa. So we see the police jumping on peaceful protesters, people that hadn't worked for months because they refused to have an experimental injection in their bodies. By the way, 99.9% .9 of them are still alive, haven't died of the virus yet. Mm -hmm. Down at the Ambassador Bridge, you have hundreds of cops line up with big machinery with water cannons and all sorts of, having never even stepped into the protest and said, hey guys, uh, maybe you should leave. No, we've got to put on a big show to show that the state is tough, that you need to fear the state, right? So we have that on one hand. Well, it would be maybe slightly more tolerable if every time there was a protest, the police responded in the same way. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't you bring your water cannons in and throw people off the you know, bridge into the back of your paddy wagons in Toronto? No, we're going to deliver them coffee. These are people that are anti-Semites. These are people that are pro-Gaza. The Gazans, let's remind our listeners, elected twice Hamas who went and butchered and murdered innocent Israelis in a democratic society. And these are the kind of people that are on our streets that we're delivering coffee to. Are you kidding me? 
And then news stories are, a news story came out yesterday uh, telling us that there's an organization that's actually paying a lot of these anti-Semite protesters. Okay, let me give you one more. Came out in the news today or yesterday in Peterborough, Ontario, a store clerk, a guy like 20, 22 years old or something like that. He's in a store. He's in a store. He's the clerk. He's selling whatever clerks sell in a store. I don't know, chocolate bars, tobacco. Some goon comes in with a bat, whacks him with a baseball bat. Uh, somehow the clerk gets the bat away from charge, chases the guy out the store and gives him a good beat down with the bat. And the police either have or intend to charge the crook, but they've also charged the store clerk with assault. Like, well, you didn't have to chase him out of the store and beat him with a bat. He's now in the hospital with head injuries. Um, really? And the, and the police uh, chief basically gets on social media because he's getting a lot of flack for it and says, well, you didn't see the video. I trust my officers. Well, I don't trust your officers. Hmm. Not after what I saw in Ottawa. I don't trust my officers when other officers are giving out coffee to anti-Semite protesters in Toronto. I don't trust my your officers just because they, they're wearing a badge and a uniform when I saw what happened at the Ambassador Bridge on the Saturday and the Sunday. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. If, think about the store clerk for a moment. If the store clerk takes the bat, runs outside, and beats the tar of the guy because he he wants revenge. That actually is immoral. It's forbidden in God's law. But think about this for a moment. You're in a store and some guy takes a baseball bat to you. And somehow you get the bat away and you chase him outside the store. What would be the first thing that would be crossing your mind? Maybe this guy is going for a knife. Maybe this guy is going to get his gang. Maybe this guy is going to get a gun. I better make sure this guy's disabled. That's how I'd be thinking. So, but in our society, no, uh, you just, you know, you can get, you can, a guy beats you with a bat. That's bad. We'll, we'll eventually investigate. We'll review. We'll charge him. But shame on you for putting him in the hospital. The guy's lucky to be alive. Now, then we have, this is just absurd. So the Quebec police, the province of Quebec is one of Canada's provinces. People probably are familiar with the term porch pirate. Yep. So you get Amazon deliveries, packages dropped off, uh, Purelator drops off packages. And increasingly, there's a you know criminal enterprise, it would seem, that makes their uh, living off of running up and stealing packages off people's porches. We call them porch pirates. So believe it or not, the Quebec police are now warning people who have cameras on their porches, don't post videos of the thieves that have stolen packages off your porch. And this is this is what is being reported in the media. And this is a quote. Uh, Provincial police, SQ, are urging Quebecers not to post the clips online because they say there, there could be a case for defamation. Quote, you cannot post the images yourself because you have to remember in Canada, we have a presumption of innocence and the post and posting that picture could be a violation of private life said SQ Communications Officer Lieutenant Benoit Richard. Instead, Richard said to call 911 if anything was stolen. Quote, if you get some proof that somebody somebody might have stolen something, call the police, give that proof to the police. He said, we'll do the investigation, bring that person to justice and file some charges. Oh, really? God forbid that 
a guy who's caught on video stealing packages on your porch has his behavior posted on social media is publicly famed and files a lawsuit against you because you made him look bad. I mean, what kind of nonsense is this in our culture? And, you know, it's a further example of statism. So in a properly ordered society, it is the job of the police and the courts to oversee public justice. But that doesn't mean that the average citizen has no say in justice. So it's not my job to to execute people. It's not my job to lock people up. But if I see someone committing a crime, I can arrest them. It's called citizen's arrest. And even if the, the, the government made that illegal, morally, I would still be permitted to do that by God. I can... I can be a, on a certain level an agent of justice on God's behalf. I can defend my family. I can defend myself, right? I can shame a criminal. But what in, in a status culture, what, the, what a lot of these individuals think is that 110% of all aspects and all elements of justice, including even calling something wrong, is somehow exclusively the right of the state, right? Yep. So... <clears throat> I'll, I'll share one more one more um, example from my own life. Well, it's actually a series of examples. So I don't have a criminal record. I've never been to jail. I've been charged. I was charged multiple times during the pandemic. Before that, the worst I got was parking tickets and, and minor speeding tickets, like 15 and under. If you're an investigative journalist, look it up. You're not going to find me in the criminal justice system. Okay? But here's I, – I have um, – I've not had vehicles stolen. I haven't had to call the police to, you know, investigate a home invasion. I've never been involved in assault. Like I basically haven't actively used the police services other than I've passively benefited from them in a properly ordered society since my birth. But um, under lockdowns, I'll just remind people of this. I'm not going to let people forget. Under lockdowns, we weren't allowed to go anywhere, but the chief of police in the city of Windsor Broke the broke the law by attending the the Black Lives Matter protest. Why? Because in her mind at the time, church was not essential, but cultural Marxism, in the form of the BLM rallies, were. And there's still been no justice. She still got away with it. Um, that same individual, by the way, when she was a junior officer, I approached her once because I saw a hit and run, and mm-hmm. asked her to follow up on it, and she basically told me to buzz off. Uh, during lockdowns, the police falsely charged me, thought I was a 27 or 28-year-old preacher, falsely falsely charged me. It was a case of mistaken identity. I was dragged through a knothole backwards in the media, mm-hmm. including on AM800 here in the news, where I was essentially called a liar. And the police just called, oh, we're sorry, we're withdrawing the charges, case of mistaken identity. So after I'm publicly shamed yep. to a greater degree than some clown stealing packages off your porch you're concerned about defamation well i was defamed and i haven't filed a lawsuit against you uh they developed a person a person of interest profile for me that was posted on the internet is this some dangerous criminal a whole multi-page write-up this guy attends protests he attends law you know he's he's anti-lockdown you know all this sort of stuff really you're actually taking time uh, by an officer of the law to research Aaron Rock, who has no criminal record because he attends protests and he wants to keep his church open to minister to people under lockdown. It's a complete joke. They, When I was uh, at the Ambassador Bridge, I observed that when the police came and uh, did their big takedown, they never first came 
and asked the protesters to leave. They asked me at the last minute to ask them to leave. And I said, well, I'll, I can do that if you'd like. I'm, I'm here as a clergy clergyman to encourage them and pray for them and preach. That's what I was doing there. And uh, um, then they just kind of moved in. So yep. in all honesty, okay, I, I can think of, and I'm not going to name them, I can think of multiple officers, multiple police officers in Ontario and outside of Ontario that I love and appreciate and I would respect, and I do respect, and I would trust with my life. Mm -hmm. But here I am as Joe Below the Canadian, and my public interaction with the police services over the last several years has almost been entirely negative. Mm -hmm. But I'm supposed to trust the police. I'm supposed to trust the police when this kind of stuff is going on. Now, here's 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 an interesting anecdote, Chris. I watched a video recently from Sun Media reporter Lauren Gunter, and he was talking about a situation. I think it was just this past Christmas Eve where a group of uh, fathers out in uh, some city in British Columbia we're doing night patrols because it was a, a rash of uh, B&E's home invasions mm -hmm. taking place. And um, they decided, okay, well, this guy hasn't been arrested, so we're going to kind of patrol the neighborhood. Well, they, they catch some guy in a flower shop or something like that, and they detain him for the police to come. So pa Lauren Gunter is commenting on this, and he's talking about how many individuals – in public life are like, oh, this is vigilante justice. We can't have this. You know, we can't, someone's going to get hurt, you know, all this sort of thing. And he's basically like, you know, give me a break. Uh, you know, these guys did the right thing. No one was hurt. Could someone have been hurt? Yeah, no one was hurt. Uh, and But he concludes by saying, I think, I think he says this more than once, um, that this illustrates the fact that public officials need to listen to the citizens more in terms of what they want in the realm of justice. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well, I agreed with you up till that point. Yep. Because that's another example of where people think justice should be based on the common beliefs of the people. No, it should not. That's how we got here. If you're a big mouth and you're part of the woke agenda and you just happen to yell the loudest and you're the most politically strategic and you get people into office and then you you're manipulating the judges you're manipulating the police you're putting pressure on them to act in a certain way do we want that kind of justice that's not justice that's what we're that's part of the problem mm -hmm. do we do we want the um uh, blm advocates who are actually cultural marxists to be saying, you know, what, what's going to really affect our judiciary and make it better is let's get more black judges or black officers. That's, that's going to fix everything. No, that's called reverse racism. That's, that's called ex, uh, picking people based upon their externals. The Bible says something to say about that. Mm -hmm. We don't need the, the uh, justice in our country being determined by popular votes or popular opinions or who yells the loudest. There is absolutely no hope for our nation if we do not listen to God. And this is not the first place you've heard it, but you've heard it here. Yep. Now, I would remind people that in our charter, it implies that when it talks about the supremacy of God mm -hmm. and the rule of law. Law is nothing if you don't, first of all, have the supremacy of God. Mm -hmm. And so even in our law currently, in 2024, there's still an acknowledgement that without God, there is no law. And it's true. So the, 
you can nitpick any one of those examples. Oh, there's a little bit of information you missed. I don't care. I don't want to hear from you in that regard. I've given you plenty of illustrations to illustrate the fact there's a problem in law enforcement. There's a problem in the judiciary and it needs to be fixed. And so the natural question is, what is the fix? And and maybe maybe there's multiple levels to that in terms of a personal um, a personal thing we can do, or in collective groups. I'm not sure what you have in mind there, but there is obviously something to it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be just exposing it. Yeah. Well, my nature is to be a fixer. If, if something's broken at my home, I want to fix it. If something's not going well in the church, I want to fix it. If it's a theological issue, I want to fix it. If it's a structural issue, I want to fix it. But here's what I've learned. Uh, Everybody wants things to be fixed. Everyone wants solutions to be presented. But I'm still not sure that we have fully recognized there's a problem to be fixed yet. And so there is a place for talking about solutions But we can talk about solutions till we're blue in the face. If the majority of people don't yet see that there is a problem, what's the point in spending countless hours coming up with all sorts of detailed solutions to fix municipal, provincial, state level, federal legal codes and to reform the judiciary and to better train police officers? Mm -hmm. So the first thing I think we need to do is we need to continue in exposure mode. And in part, this is what we're doing in this podcast. We're exposing the problem. We're going to keep exposing these kinds of problems so that people are like, okay, yeah, you know what? It's undeniable now. There is a problem. We saw this during the pandemic. I mean, how how dense do you have to be? How many, how many examples of vaccine-injured people do you need to be presented with before you at least pause and say, is this actually effective and safe? And yet almost four years later, or well, three years later, there's still some people that are just ignoring that. Uh, how, how much more teaching and preaching do we need to do on sphere sovereignty before even people in the Christian church would be willing to admit that the state does not have absolute authority over society? I was talking to a dearly beloved Christian pastor recently who had a very different response to the pandemic than I did. And I asked him why, and he talked about, well, he talked about doing his research, and he just arrived at a different conclusion. I'm like, okay, well, have you ever studied sphere sovereignty? He didn't even know what it was. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, you didn't do your research. If if you are a Christian leader, and you went through the pandemic, and whether you agree with it or not, you don't even know what sphere sovereignty was, don't tell me you did your homework. Mm -hmm. You did not do your homework if you don't even know something as basic as the doctrine of sphere sovereignty, which is the most talked about, most discussed doctrine, probably in the Christian church in the West over the last four years. Mm-hmm. It was fundamental to our resistance to statism. If you don't understand sphere sovereignty by now, something's something's uh, desperately wrong. So I think before we talk about solutions, and I'll, I will offer some, we need to continue in exposure mode mm-hmm. until the corruption and the disease is undeniable. But here are some yeah. remedies. So first of all, unfortunately, you have to make an example out of the worst offenders. So you have to fire the useful idiots. This guy that charged Menzies with assault should be fired. Gonzo, you're done. You're driving truck from now on, or you're working in a factory or whatever. You're no longer an officer of the law. You violated your oath. Time out. You know? So some people need to be fired. Um, 
they need to start teaching justice again in our law facilities and in our police academies rather than wokeism. I know that these ideologies are being taught there. I've talked to people who are in, in uh, Canadian, especially in Ontario's uh, law faculties. There's so much woke ideology and identity politics that these young people are being taught. Now, you may not like theonomy language, whatever. I don't really care about that either, whether you like it or, or not. But how about this? We could just say we need to take society back to some basic, basic values. By the way, that advertisement by the law society yep. mentioned your values. We don't yep. care about your values. We care about God's values. If your values play a role in the, the justice system, then we're not going to ever have objective justice. We have to have objective justice, and objective justice is only based on God's eternal laws. So you may not like, oh, theonomy, I don't like that that language. Okay, whatever. But how about at least going back to the way it once was? Okay. So here are some basic things that like it or lump it. This is what Can Canadians, even non-Christian ones historically thought were kind of important. And they all flow from God's law. First of all, uh, as, as Christians, we believe that true justice, true righteousness is undefinable apart from God. So it says in Proverbs 28, evildoers do not understand what is right. Mm -hmm. But those who seek the Lord will understand it fully. I would ask my Christian audience, do you actually believe that? Do, do you actually, let me read it again. Evildoers do not understand what is right. But those who seek the Lord understand it fully. Mm -hmm. So connect the dots. If, if you expect any measure of public righteousness, if, if you expect, for example, that rapists will be punished, if you expect, for example, that thieves will actually be arrested, if you expect, for example, that you can expect to maintain your property and someone's not going to come and take it from you, you have to. There's no way around it. You have to point them, as embarrassed as you might be by the Bible, to God's laws. And if you don't point them there, they're never going to understand it. Mm -hmm. So believe it or not, you can't just tell people, oh, get saved and go to heaven. You actually have to advocate for justice. If you don't, you don't have a society. And they're not going to, because I know that these truths are not going to start from within our law uh, faculties. Right. They don't have the source. They're not going to come from our police chiefs, unless you have the odd one that's a believer. They have to hear it first from guess who? Guess who? The church. Mm -hmm. So the failure, the failure of our judiciary, let me throw this out. Because there might be some applauding me right now. Thanks for calling out the cops. Thanks for calling out the judiciary. The failure of these institutions, I believe, is the fault of, drumroll, the church. Hmm. It's the impotence of the church to communicate truth to the broader culture, to be Nathan the prophet to the king, to speak about injustice, to confront the king, even if the king hates your guts and wants to lop your head off. It's the failure of the clergy and it's the failure of the average lay Christian to call out uh, injustice. And we have to just change our mindset in this regard. Evildoers do not understand what is right, but those who seek the Lord understand mm -hmm. it fully. So you know it if you're a Christian and you actually know it, at least you have the opportunity to know it fully. Yeah. It's your job to speak the truth. Secondly, we need to be persistent with the courts. A parable comes to mind. Uh, Luke 18, the parable of the persistent you call it the parable of the persistent widow or the parable of the unjust judge, right? Mm -hmm. So unjust judges are not unique to the Western modern context. 
Here we have a widow. She's pleading her case to the judge. The judge is basically like, buzz off, buzz off, buzz off. Not interested, not interested. We've seen that over the last few years. They just, they just hope that the anti-lockdown people will go away, right? Just, just go away. Maybe if we can find them a little bit more, they'll just, they'll just go away. Maybe if we can divide them, uh, we can, we, they'll just go away. But she's persistent in prayer. And she's persistent in presenting her case, and eventually he buckles and she gets justice, and, and then God promises justice. But there's a human element to that too, right? So be persistent. You know, um, don't don't give up. The, the worst thing you can do when a society is crumbling is to go silent. Mm -hmm. It's the worst thing you can do. The worst thing you can do is to run away. Now, caveat, I do think there's a time to flee. Um, but when it comes to like ideologically running away. Well, they haven't listened to me for the last three years. So I'm just going to run away. I'm just going to be quiet, right? Mm -hmm. No, don't run away. Don't be quiet. Continue to be persistent. And then we have the call to show no partiality. This is why I'm completely opposed to the um, all this DEI stuff because it's, it's, it's basically false <laughs> justice. It's just a new way of dividing and segregating and racializing and stereotyping and relegating certain voices to the sideline in favor of your team. And injustice, injustice, there has to be impartiality, okay? So if citizen A whacks citizen B with a bat, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, that's a criminal act. If citizen B defends himself against citizen A who's whacked him with the bat, he's not guilty. If a conservative reporter who wears a funny hat is in the face of a left-leaning politician and demanding answers to her support of whatever it was, Iran or something, the police officer doesn't pick sides. He doesn't stand in the way. He doesn't kind of shoulder check. He doesn't grab an arrest and throw up again. Imagine if, imagine if uh, a police officer, in fact, I just don't think it would happen. Imagine if it was the politician that had de deliberately or even accidentally shoulder bumped a cop. There's no way that cop would grab Krista Freeland and throw her up against the wall like, mm -hmm. he's, like he manhandled Menzies, right? It's, it's not right. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I wanted to get to this verse, Deuteronomy 16, 19. You shall not pervert justice, is what the Bible says. This is a universal law. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. You shall not accept a bribe. Or a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and yep. subverts the cause of the righteous, of the righteous. So this is why in a properly ordered society, we must demand this. We must demand an impartial judiciary, which we do not have. Mm -hmm. We don't have that. We must demand an impartial judiciary we saw the guy uh overseeing the um convoy i can't remember the exact language of it the inquiry we'll yep. call it who has connections with the liberal party like are you kidding me it, you have to have impartial judges you ha you need judges that are actually separate from the causes the agendas of the day you have to have that remember uh during the lockdowns you, you can google this too um, so vaccines come out and, um, 
um, this isn't a podcast about vaccines. In fact, hardly ever talked about it on our show, but I'm using it as an illustration of a problem. And we have the, um, the Canadian, several Canadian judges, I know it happened in Nova Scotia, it might even happen on a federal level, that came out and said, hmm. so that all the public feels com com comfortable and confident in us, we're all vaccinated, mm -hmm. but we're impartial. It's like, are you guys for real? Like, mm -hmm. What planet are you living on? Since when have the Canadian have Canadian judges come out and revealed anything about their medical status? Like, do they publish a list of who who's using hemorrhoid ointment? Do they publish a list of who has who's on antidepressive medications? Do we publish a list of who's had a vasectomy? Like, why do we care about the medical status of our federal judges. And think about this. There's an assumption in there mm -hmm. that to be around someone who's vaccinated will make you feel more safe. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe there's some people rightly or wrongly that won't feel as comfortable being around you. And that's not me, but I'm just saying there are some. What about five years down the road when you're on the bench and someone who's vaccine injured comes in and expects impartial justice mm -hmm. to be meted out by your court? because you've been vaccine injured, and there's many people that have been, and you're sitting in front of a judge, you're like, yeah, this guy is part of a group that all declared they're, that they're in favor of vaccines. And to what point, mm -hmm. to what end? So right there, you're like, okay, we're done. We do not have impartial judges, but they, they, know, they know they're not because they try to justify that they are, mm -hmm. but they're actually lying. And they're further eroding public trust in the judiciary. This is why, Corporately, I don't trust police, and corporately, I don't trust the courts. I just don't trust them. Frankly, I don't trust most Christians nowadays either, especially those that made no effort to speak out against the injustice that we experience. We are literally in a crisis in our culture, and that all institutions, the Christian church, the judiciary, law enforcement, our schools, our universities, are so corrupt with antichrist ideology. Mm -hmm. And th th these are problems. Here's, here's what it says. Um, here, here's another little thing that a, a Christian brother brought to my attention. This is just another example, then we'll kind of land this plane. How about this? Uh, the Ontario Court of Justice. Uh, Ontario Court of what? Of Justice. Mm -hmm. It's in the name. The Ontario Court of Justice, just this past December, a month ago, December the 14th, 2023, here's what they said. That calling drag queens groomers is targeting two SLGBTQI plus community, and this is not protected. This, this could land you with a defamation claim. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So you're a in a position of justice, and Joe Blow the Citizen sees a dude dressed up like a woman and not an attractive woman, spreading her crotch his crotch in front of little children, which is clearly pedoph pedophilic behavior and is grooming behavior. But if you call them a groomer, we're going to charge you. Mm -hmm. Like, who do you think you are? Mm -hmm. Who does this justice think he or she is? Like, what, what business, what right do you have to assume that you have the power and authority to tell me I can't use the word groomer when I'm seeing an adult 
performing an, an erotic sexual act in front of children? Our response to that should be, uh, we'll say what we want to say. Mm-hmm. And there's absolutely no way we're going to be silenced by some judge who's been influenced by the woke agenda. No judge in the 60s would ever have said that, which actually shows the, the fact that we do not live in an impartial judiciary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, what way is the wind blowing? Well, it's popular to protect the 2S LGBTQ groups. So God forbid they feel bad when they're called out or confronted for their sexually perverse behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an interesting word um, in in uh, historical historical English language that comes in the Bible. It's called it, the word sodomy or sodomite, and that's not a word that has just recently been made up. But I I see Christians sometimes using it because it 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 is the biblical word. It is the word that defines. Um, you know, anal sex, right? And I've seen it on two different news articles the suggestion that, the, oh, this is a derogatory, this is a, uh, um, a dirty word, you shouldn't use this of people, you shouldn't call them sodomites. Um, well, we used to. Mm-hmm. We used to have sodomy laws. It's a biblical word. But see, they want to change the vocabulary, right? So if groomer becomes a bad word, They'll, they'll, they'll say, well, you can't use that word anymore. Yep. You can't use the yep. word sodomy anymore. They'll do it through public shaming, through re-education programs in our universities. It only takes four years to produce a new crop of university graduates to parrot their agenda. Or um, threaten you by, by uh, judgments like this in the Ontario Superior Court. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, who do you think you are? Like, Who do you think you are as a judge? to rewrite morality and then force it upon us. We will resist. Mm-hmm. And this should be our, our uh, response. So we must consult God's law. Solutions, broad level. We must consult God's law. We must insist on it. And that starts with the church declaring rightness and wrongness, exposing evil like the prophets did, getting hot under the collar yep. at sin, and calling out lies for what they are. Secondly, being persistent. We're not going away. We're not running away. We're not hiding. And we're not scared of you. We're going to persist to push for justice. And we will not pervert justice by permitting your impartiality or your, your partiality, rather. We will call you out when your bride will call you out when you're clearly bought off. And when I mean bought off or bribe, they're not even talking about financially. Mm-hmm. But your position, if your position is essentially dependent as a judge or a cop on towing the party line so you can keep your Omer's pension, that's bribery. Mm-hmm. That, that's, being, that's the very definition of being a useful idiot. Mm-hmm. And we're going to call you out for that. And we're going to shame you. And we're going to embarrass you. And we're going to not, we don't want you to enjoy going to work if you're going to behave in this way. Now, at the same time, we obviously need to encourage the police officers that are Christians that are seeking to uphold God's law. And I don't want to call them out, but there's a flood of them crossing my mind right now. Some of them, I know, I was thinking three, but I know four police officers that have retired early or are in the process of retiring early because they're fed up with the nonsense. And my heart goes out to them. They're just fed up with the nonsense, the wokeism, the DEI, the false inclusivity, the cultural Marxism, the antichrist ideology, the nonsense that they're experiencing on a daily basis. But we need to pray for those that are uh, in these offices that where they have power and authority, they will do their jobs mm-hmm. as God has defined defined it. And we also 
want to encourage those of you that are bold and brave and want to be missionaries, that's what you are, a missionary in law enforcement and in the judiciary to enter into these occupations and serve Christ. And if you might get fired for it, but oh well. Um, you know, we all need need to be prepared to, to give up our jobs and our lives for the cause of Christ. Let me end with this, Chris. Proverbs 21, 15. When justice is done, it brings joy to the yeah. righteous, but terror to evildoers. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bring terror to the righteous and joy to evildoers. And that's what it's doing right now. Mm-hmm. It's bringing joy. It's, it's joyful for an evildoer to say, you know what? I can be a porch pirate and no one can call me out for it. I could beat a guy with a baseball bat, but he's going to get charged too. I can toss citizens around who've been blockaded from going to their jobs for months months because they won't get an experimental jab and no one's going to call me out for it. No, that's not the way it works. When justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. So we will know we're making progress when evildoers, and evil is defined not by the courts, Mm -hmm. but by God's laws, when evildoers think twice about committing evil acts, about abusing their office, about abusing children, about twerking in front of children. And when those that are seeking to live righteous lives, to be conscientious citizens, to love God and love their neighbor, are living joyful lives Mm -hmm. in Canada, in the United States, in Holland, in Britain, around the world, to the glory of God. Well, some food for thought, definitely as you pick up the newspaper, as you're reading, picking up the newspaper, who does that anymore? (laughs) As you're scrolling uh, and you see instances of injustice, make sure to call them out. Make sure to uh, do those things that Aaron explained uh, publicly, but also in your your private spheres of influence and your spheres of authority. Thank you, Aaron, for that uh, message. To a reminder to our listeners that you can find this podcast on a variety of platforms. I just figured out this week how to rate it finally myself on some things. So I, I feel bad. I've been saying rate it for all this time because my primary pl- platform, you can't rate it, but many of them you can. So do us a favor, rate it. Hopefully five stars would be great um, to allow it to get a bit more exposure, share it. And uh, uh, yeah, I guess just a, a quick rundown. You can hear it on all the major platforms, Spotify, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. Uh, Google, etc., but also over on the Fight, Laugh, Feast network and soon uh, our Beachhead Media app, which is in the development process or in the production process, I guess you could say. It's been submitted to the stores. We hope you'll tune in next week to another episode of Leadership Now with Dr. Aaron Rock. <laughs>